movies, movies, movies. Welcome, Jen. Welcome, Andre. Oh it has been hi. so long since we've had some actual face-to-face -face time. I know. <laughs> How long has it actually been? I don't answer I, that. I couldn't even count. Mm, who cares? Because we're here now and we're rekindling our love with the in-studio moments. I just said before that I love doing at-home recordings, <laughs> and Jen was like, I hate it. And I'm like, well. I, um, the, and I said the only thing I like at home is at home with Amy Sedaris, but not at home with Julia. But this <laughs> is reminding me of a quote that I just read in an interview between Drew Barrymore and Brittany Murphy where they mm. said... Friendships are like a pearl necklace. Your friendships are the pearls and time is the string. And when you see each other, it doesn't matter how long it's been since you've seen each other last, the pearls all bunch together. Whoa. And could there be a weird segue into the review of Scream that we're doing later on by saying that Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore. isn't in the new Scream, but I... I thought so. ...feel like the pearl necklace of friendship is still working and it's still there and we're what eight screams into a series including a tv show that was on mtv and i'm still rekindling love but we'll talk about that more in two reviews yeah there's some friendship groups that it's okay to be adjacent to as well oh my god if i have to talk about friendship groups and dynamics again in 2023 <laughs> or 2025 or is all therapy I'm whatever sorry. the hell you were in mr perel is oh. like in the zeitgeist right now okay. for me just play sting so we can all stop right talking. well <laughs> Coming up, well, not oh, coming up right now. We also have a giveaway. I'm so we sorry. We have a giveaway. We have a giveaway. We have t-shirts. And free passes. To go see... Worst the, Person in the World. Worst Person in the World, which we have been told is iconic. It screened at Cannes this year and won Best Actress. So if you want to see some heavyweight performance and also get a shirt out of it and a free movie, The Ooh. Worst Person in the World is screening in Sydney at the most gorgeous gay cinema on Chevelle. We're wearing the t-shirts right now. They're crispy and they're comfy. Yeah, it's it's giving um, uh, Mykonos sky blue, but um, also make it a bit uh, airline. It's century gothic. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jen and Andrea are both wearing the shirt, and it is like a, not necessarily like a pale blue, but it's like a muted kind of cyan. Yeah, it, it's like kind it's of like a, it's a soccer player blue. Yes, that's what it is. Anyway, if you're into modern dramedy, stick around because we're going to give away these shirts and some tickets. But first up, movie news, I think. Yes, we got a little movie news. Movie news. There we go. And news. Okay, Golden Globes, Andre. Didn't I even know. happen. Are we still talking about them a week later? Well, I want to talk about K. Stewart and her Oscar buzz, but you said that that was boring. So I guess we're just talking about Golden Globes today. Yeah, why do I not care about anything to do with the royal family? It's because I just read an article about how K. Stewart bumped into Neve Campbell, star of Scream, at a restaurant, and she was completely starstruck. And oh. I thought that was really sweet to think that. Love that. Neve and Kristen are. Our besties. But the Golden Globes, though, did not happen, and they were kind of invisible to everyone, including the nominees, because they didn't have an official ceremony. They were announcing winners via, like, a forum online. It felt very funny out about funny out about it through Twitter. Um, but obviously the one takeaway from the whole show, and the only talking point, is MJ Rodriguez winning MJ Rodriguez this actress for Pose. in a dramedy. Um, Which kind of means that our work here is done. And I also think that... It kind of feels like the Golden Globes' work is done in that no one mm. spoke about anything else and it's all being centred around MJ and the joy of uh, that glass ceiling being sh sh shattered. And then maybe the Golden Globes never having to happen again. You made a really good point about her performance in Pose that I really liked, which was that 
you clocked the other nominees and you kind of commented, MJ is the only... Actually, she prefers Michaela J. Michaela J is the only person who actually has gone beyond just performing. She's done the groundwork. She's done the community building. She's, she's done, done the social work. She's done the social work. She's done the skill sharing. She's done so much uh, outside of herself work. She's not just turning a role in the way that Nicole Kidman is doing Lucille Ball. And I will defend Nicole Kidman no, completely, to the completely. end of my days. But she's not just turning a role. She's uh, She's representing... So yeah. much more than that. She's world building. And she's, she's world building. She's not just, you know, rehearsing for a couple months. She's canoned. Um, and that to me speaks louder than just, you know, some person from Handmaid's Tale getting acknowledged for pulling a dramatic performance and no shade. Um, Whoa. But I also never finished Pose. And uh, even though. Michael it's hard Jay... to finish these shows you love. Like Pen 15 and Pose are kind of the thing that will circle back in 20 years' time and finally tap off, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I, in other movie news, I've sadly become attached to Netflix and I've watched two things on the streamer, which is kind of contrary to my persona and my reputation. Which were? The Lost Daughter, directorial okay. debut of Maggie Gyllenhaal, and I'm working my way towards Emily in Paris, which wow. I will, I'll probably defend on the next show, TBH. Somehow, neither Andre or I have COVID yet, and... I think that's why I've been holding out. Mm. Emily in Paris is definitely going to be that binge. Me watching Netflix and not getting COVID just shows how unpopular and friendless I am. But I'm okay. But that's okay. I'm here for that. Maybe that's what Movies with News is all about. It's Can... about not getting COVID and watching Netflix. Being okay without <laughs> yeah. a friend group. Being okay without friends. <laughs> Can I request a um, The Lost Daughter review for next week? You can request it right now. In a directorial... Di- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. please, please, please. I would love that. I would, I would love... Yeah, we'll do Lost Daughter I would love for week. us to like talk about that. And Kindergarten Teacher, we can just drag up from the dredges. Or we can do another Netflix fair and just do Emily. Okay, as the Perel's Netflix now show. You we'll do. talk about this later. You're right, we can't plan on it. No planning on it. What the hell else has been going on in the world? I mean, really, all we had to play, talk about was Golden Globes because we've been taking a bit of a sabbatical and we just went down to the coast and got into the water mm. and that was good enough. No, absolutely. We um, were conjuring while filming. Um, we were down by the water making beautiful making beautiful scenery and shooting on Jen's new iPhone 13. Ooh. Noticing how like cinematic the waves were. It was giving Terrence Malick to the wonder. It was very godlike. And then we got home to read the news about the volcano eruption and the okay. tsunami. Too much gold complex. Too much... We didn't cause the tsunami. We Our didn't cause to Tonga. <laughs> we didn't cause it, but it was a circular, circular moment. I guess what we realised was that whatever you put into the world... Comes back to you. Comes back to you. So be careful. Yeah. Film is prophecy. That's the news of the week. Film is prophecy. All right. All right. Well, we're going to write... We'll we'll be right back. Uh, We're going to jump into a bit of Law and Order. And by that, I mean Lauren Order, not the series Law and Order. (laughs) (laughs) With some Summer Girl action and up next on Movies, 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 we've got two takes. So that's two reviews. One on Scream and one on And Just Like That, and I cannot bloody wait. So stick around. You're on Mornings on FBI. This is Movies, Movies, Movies. Lauren Order and Oomph on the remix of Summer Girl by Haim right there. You are on FBI Radio on Mornings. I'm with Jen Andre, which, if you just tuned in, means we are in the thick of a recurring movie segment here on Mornings, and it's time to get into a little bit of review action. It's called Take Two. Take Two. All right, mm-hmm. Jen, Andre, we've been teasing what's on the cards, but if you had to do a little preview of what's to come in as short of a sentence as possible. 
preview is that reboots are happening left, right, and center, and you'll you guys need our, you need your help you need help from us <laughs> in figuring you need help from us figuring out which ones to go to because some of them are flops, and some of them are bangers. And I think Jen and I have a lot to say about the Sex and the City <gasps> reboot continuation, the return to Sex and the City, but also the return to Woodsboro. Do you know who's not being talked about as a reboot is and. I was just reminded by Summer Girl by Haim, is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son in Licorice Pizza. As being a reboot of Philip Seymour kind Hoffman. Kind of a reboot. <laughs> in an independent <laughs> cinema kind of term. Okay, I love that. Re- also the Sopranos reboot. Rebooting a person <laughs> through the son, through the lineage of family and performance. I know. It's very okay. Trumpy and it's very like royal family to have dynasty in cinema. <laughs> hold up, hold up. I'm getting, okay, I'm seeing Nicole Kidman's children performing. No. Potentially doing an eyes wide shot, something rather. Oh I god, no. Just play the sting for no, she, just Nicole's like Nicole's like, my daughter really All right. wants to be a director. You oh, ready? Brilliant. We've got And Just Like That. The more I live, the more I find that if you have good friends in your corner, anything's possible. Carrie, party of three. The future is unwritten because we're all at different stages of life. Tonight, bring your A game. How many dating apps are you on? I'm just waiting for someone to create a dating site that's called Here's the Man You've Been Searching for, Seema. And there you oh, go. That is some cheese toasty action right there. I can't even <laughs> listen to that. Sound like an Ariana Grande lyric or something. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. That was the trailer to Just Like That. I must say we kind of grappled with whether we would review this. I was slow to the parade. Jen's been loving. And then I got on the bandwagon and now we're here. To say that New York City is back to being the epicentre because Sex and the City 4 totally lands. Is it 4 if I don't count the TV series that was The Carrie Diaries? Anyway. Unlike the other mid-COVID reboots like Matrix and Scream, and just like that, totally heals and holds. And that's kind of my entry point to my experience of this. None of the characters get a moment of repose as they're sack-whacked with expectations like, are you an ally or are you a friend? It's so familiar to living in Sydney, let's be honest. And it also plays up how to be a person in 2021 without a lecture. Miranda has to stop talking about her own anti-racism to black people on the subway. Charlotte has to clock her privilege and make space for a pronoun chat. Carrie has to free up my love when Big dies. And this is all while we're living in the Che Diaz world. Che Diaz being the very famous internet-breaking character played by S. Ramirez as the non-binary steward who just can't stop talking about the non-binary gender, which is... Brutally accurate representation and very, very honest and on point. So basically, and just like that, feels of its time in a positive way. The present is a present because each storyline of accelerationist queerness is as cringe, necessary, brutal, pathetic, myopic and authentic as the girls fighting about polyamory. Because kind of where Sex and the City was kind of indulging in super old, archaic, Judy Garland era tropes. And just like that, just pushes and squeezes everything forward pressure 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 and oh oh god i feel like i've truly drunk the gay champagne with this and i'm being very like over the top and very loving and i hate how corny this sounds because while the show time travels forward carrie reminds us that her present is a present kiss her ass i love and just like that jen (laughs) and so do you i know i have a question yeah what is your take on the internet storm of how much flack Che Diaz is getting at the moment. So Jen and I had, uh, we butted heads. Uh, I started watching Just Like That late. I turned to Jen in bed. Jen, I think I love Che Diaz. And Jen was like, 
leave. <laughs> I just like Che's really hot. I think they're hot. I'm 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 about it. I'm not into their comedy at all. I think they're profoundly cringe and part of me is worried that I'm going to turn into a Che Diaz one day. You thinking Che is hot and also going out with me makes me feel really insecure. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but have I, I'm sure you've seen everything that's going on online that this is a character that was meant to in some ways like be not a band-aid solution to all of the faults that Sex and the City had, but a way to position how much space the show had created for new stories and to make up for everything that was lacking. Totally. Yeah. Have, have you watched Che Diaz? Oh, I have watched Che Diaz. It's, it's what it's like to live today. <laughs> I can't go a day without meeting in Che Diaz. I, <laughs> I literally can't be in media, making radio, making film, making podcasts, doing broadcast, without someone talking about their non-binariness. And that's totally fine, I've accepted that, but it's cringe and it's real, and I'm here for it. Yeah, but what do you think specifically about that character being now positioned as the quote-unquote thing that is wrong with this reboot, that it's causing all these problems for the characters where things were swimming along so fine up until now? I don't think there's anything wrong with Che Diaz, and I think the discourse is like so important because Cynthia Nixon's directing an episode, and it's about her own queerness and coming out because she was married she came out during the original show mm. so I think like I understand the cringe of Sex and the City and, and just like that addressing all of the holes and trying to fill them really quickly but I really feel like the Che Diaz storyline is vulnerable I feel like Cynthia Nixon is doing something honest and trying to place like I genuinely think the women in and just like that were like okay how do we actually engage with the real world and they're doing it really honestly rather than trying to like update which I'll talk about in Scream which mm. is like trying to pander and gaslight a younger generation into liking the mm. old one. I don't think they're trying to do that. Well, it th- does feel exactly like that, like they're almost infusing a part of their own selves into these new characters, like Charlotte as well, mm. um, especially the discussions she's having with uh, a black character, how that resonates with her own adoptive daughter and how outspoken she's been in the past. Totally. What do you think about that? I just think that every character has a Che Diaz. You know, Che is the one that's been spoken about because they're, like, an obnoxiously bad comedian that hosts a podcast and they have, like, kind of cringe one-liners and a bad haircut. But everyone has a Chaz. I keep calling them Chaz. Chaz. It's embarrassing. Stop saying Chaz. I keep saying Chaz. Uh, oh my Chaz God. I'm literally Miranda in the show and it's Charlotte. I am cringe as well. But I think I like... I appreciate that the show is creating these tethered antagonistic characters that make the girls, you know, wrestle with their traditional norms. Um, that's I just s- wish that we could make the same income that Carrie's making off this podcast. Seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, but the fun thing about Six and City is that there are think pieces about how she finances her life as, mm. like, a columnist. And now we're asking the question, how does she bankroll being, like, a third supporting character on a podcast? So many questions, Carrie. <laughs> any Sorry, f- Any uh, leaving thoughts on and Just Like That? Um, I was genuinely surprised by how successfully it landed its purpose and I am excited I'm excited that I made space for it yeah cute all right well we'll be right back Jen that was so lame you have to follow up with something I can't, no. end, I can't end on that oh my god <laughs> and just like that our review was over <laughs> okay fine oh man we're gonna come back with uh Jen's take on the recent scream but first this is a language warning it's bars from Umami Adamianjin Brisbane on FBI this is Movies, Movies, Movies. Yo. It's my season, bitch. 
Unami with bars from Unami. We are back on movies, 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 and it is time for another hot take from Jen and Andre. This time it's Jen's turn, and we are checking out Scream. And I'm going to play a little bit of what you get to expect right here. There's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. All right, Jen, bring her in. We always ask each other, like, what baggage do you have coming into this? And going in to see Scream at 9.30 last night with you and your sister, I was like, I'm just such a scary movie girl. I don't care about Scream series at all. I just care about the scary movies. And so while I was swooning watching Simon Rex who played George in Scary Movie 3 in Red Rocket this week, um, and I could be an apologist for that film and all of its flaws forever, Scream, I just come in with the most brutal eye of, like, you're not actually a parody. Why are you pretending you're a parody? You're actually incredibly earnest. And it kind of operates with the same schizophrenic self-reflection that the new Matrix does, constantly analysing itself on screen, anticipating a reaction, even and just like that narrates its own tone and opens a tone-policing, metatextual conversation with its viewers about, like, the narrative balancing act that the writers felt themselves walking. And the experience of watching Scream was like watching the trailer for Hillary Clinton's Masterclass, where she reads the acceptance speech she never got to give. It's a mutually humiliating experience, and it makes clear how uncool it was to ever be a Scream fan in the first place. And all the movies we saw this week had actors playing versions of themselves. Like, I already talked about Simon Rex from Scary Movie 3 as, like, a washed-up porn actor when he actually did gay porn under the name of Sebastian, like, back in the day. And just like that constantly addresses the real-life beef that has happened with Kim Cattrall after she dragged all the girls on Piers Morgan. I'm sorry, like, I'm, I'm like, a stand for Kim Cattrall, but not Piers Morgan. Don't go on Piers Morgan and ask my sympathy. In Scream, Courtney Cox and her ex-husband David Arquette play out like, play out divorcees, divorcees on screen. It's like being trapped in a lockdown with movies you used to like and slowly realising how fake they're being to you. I couldn't help but wonder, were the movies I used to love hiding their pain in order to get approval? It seems that America is anxiously, anxiously attached to retreading old romantic ground instead of levelling up, while I just feel avoidant as fuck and I don't want to go to the cinema. And all I want to say to this new era of Hollywood guilt is stop projecting. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turning the mic. <laughs> I'm a Scream apologist, uh, and I was just preaching about it to Jen before. Uh, that Scream 1 to 3 are uh, masterpieces, and I kind of stand by that. I know that's you know a loaded word because they're genre films, but I think I was comparing them to Mulholland Drive, but we can unpack you that. You were. You were like, Scream 3 is Mulholland Drive. Let's unpack that later. But this film is seriously... All I see are these fake fucks with no fangs. Like, I couldn't believe the failed meta self-reflection and commentary on itself uh, that they thought was being cheeky and cute and hilarious and fun but was actually just really flat it's almost like they've actually analyzed every single crevice and every single corner of scream that there's no more new material to kind of mine i think scream is done it's over yeah close the chapter spoiler alert dewey dies in this one so (laughs) david arquette isn't even coming back like one of the og cast members like can you imagine if like neve campbell had just died Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to close the chapter. Yeah, on spoiler screen. alert, Neve Campbell doesn't die. Doesn't die! <laughs> anyway, um, I, I share these film, these these ideas with you, Jen, and these feelings, um, but there is something about 
making movies about movies. Um, about that you're always going to like. That I'm always going to like. And you were there for a Matrix War. I mean, the real crime of the Scream film is that it just looks hideous and atrocious. It looks so bad. I couldn't ever help but like, okay, sorry, this is like a bit of a bit of a history lesson monologue, but please, I have please, to please. have it. In the 70s, there was this moment where the industry collapsed and the entire studio system lacked authenticity and fell out of touch with the people and it birthed this power mo- powerful movement of independent cinema. And then, like, in the 40s, the American government broke up the oligopoly of the Big Five, which are the studios, forcing them to choose between production and exhibition, which is, like, Amazon and Netflix now. And right now, it feels like all the major film series are indebted to the aesthetics and ideologies of the art filmmakers that emerged during those shifts. But because those real shifts haven't actually taken and we've got Biden, we're stuck, like, in their obligation to audiences rather than the workers and creatives on the film crews, which might seem conservative to believe in auteur theory, but to me, it feels more conservative to play to a general demographic. And a film is never just one person. It's always an ecosystem. And the best films happen when that crew is given the time, safety, freedom and massage therapists to take risks without worrying about investors and stakeholders. Love you, Jen. If you didn't understand <laughs> any of that, let me give it to you in a sentence. John Waters started a movement and everyone asks him, John, everyone copies your movies. Everyone wants to make Hairspray. Everyone wants to make Pink Flamingos. Why don't you make movies anymore? And John's like, I'm freaking rich. I was an art house director when it was super cool. <laughs> now everyone mimics me. And now I'm not going to go back to doing that because it would just be fake and phony. Why would I pretend that, that I, I don't have money? That I don't have money. I'm gonna, why would I make an avant-garde film when I own three houses in America? Which anyway. is the same feeling when, you know, Bradley Cooper makes The Star is Born mm. or Joker. It's like, okay, you're indebted to 70s filmmakers who had no money, but you have money, so it's not real. So what do you think the answer is? Do you think it's actually just a The answer is that focusing on Netflix direct- and Amazon can't create their own work. They can only exhibit. They can only exhibit, and you pick one or the other. And so is that why you think there have been so many iterations of Scream? Have you... Where was it? I think it was a Brad Trammell video essay. But um, what he does is that he he show, he like lays out every single Marvel film and all the sequels to each Marvel film, and he makes like a like a um like a pie chart of all of a, of what a franchise looks like. Mm-hmm. And when you see the names of each film and each sequel and each third and fourth and fifth and sixth and how they're all connected, you realize that they're not actually individual films; they're just the ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at right now is that we need to find a way to make individual films, not an ecosystem, and we need to support the individual filmmakers and their crews and just make everything unique again. <laughs> It's that easy. It's that simple. It's I that simple. It. But speaking of exhibition, we would love for you to just go to the movies and see something on us. We have tickets to... Yes, uh, The Worst Person in the World. It's a gorgeous Cannes award-winning film starring Una Memento. <clears throat> Renata Rensfe. Why did I open with that? I don't even know her name or how to pronounce it. <laughs> I know, and we haven't even seen it. But we we're going this week. It. We're going we this week. So we've we got, can't wait. We've got 10 double passes and we've got T-shirts to the film to promo... Um, we don't even have a question to engage you with. Just honestly message us on Instagram. Call in, text in, mm-hmm. don't call in, text in 0409-945-945. And we'll just give them to you. Yeah. That's Whacking it. your supporter number. If you're not an FBI radio supporter, fbiradio.com slash support is the spot to go to to sign up for as little as five or ten bucks a month and... Continue fighting the good fight for Sydney music, arts and culture. And movies. Not that that's not arts and culture, but I'm here standing up for them. We'll be right back with some more movies, movies, movies and Spotlight. First, this is Nookie with No Mercy and it needs a language warning. (laughs) 
You're on Mornings. My name is Maya Bielik. I'm with Jen and Andre on Movies, 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 and they have a giveaway to the worst person in the world. To enter, all you got to do is be an FBI radio supporter and drop your name and uh, a contact address and your supporter number to 0409 945 945, or you can call 903-06-945, and we will see what we can do. Um, Jen, Andre, what's this movie about? Um, I'm not really sure, but it has chapters, and one of the titles <laughs> is Cheating, and one of the titles is Oral Sex in the Age of Me Too. Oh, wow. Which all feels kind of relatable. Okay. Um, Bad Timing, also relatable. Yeah. Um, it's haven't seen this movie because of Omicron. It's giving modern dramedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, should I read the synopsis? Julie's Narcissistic Circus. Okay, I'm into all the chapter titles. I'm yeah. just on Wikipedia right now. Julie's right. 30. And her life is an existential mess. What more do you want? That's it. That's I, what cinema's for. Same with Julie. By the time you're 30, you're kind of ready to make a movie. Totally. Totally, totally, totally. Graphic novelist is pushing for them to settle down. One night she gets crashed a party and meets the young and charming Avind. Before long, she's broken up with Axel and thrown herself, oh, I've read enough, but I'm convinced. We have t-shirts too. Century mm-hmm. Gothic font saying the worst person in the world. <laughs> and you can walk around with that. Can you remind, own it? Um, this for some reason that synopsis really s- reminded me of Girlfriends that we saw. At Golden we Age loved cinema. seeing Girlfriends who with our girlfriend Lily Go Lightly, who who's going to come on the show and talk about Microcosmos. Who was the director of Girlfriends? Uh, so we can recommend it to people. Oh. Okay. Don't do this to me. Preparation. Don't do this okay. To me. Here's your homework, everyone. Before you go <laughs> see the worst person in the world, okay? I want you to check out Girlfriends. It's a really cute '70s film. That was... Claudia Weil. I actually remembered it just before it came up on my phone, I promise. Claudia Weil. Claudia Weil. She started everything. Everyone's she started everything. She's the OG New York romantic. Making films about girlfriends. Just running around. The original and, Frances Ha. And the film also follows um, a main protagonist who's a struggling artist. And it's so validating to see someone, you know, handing out resumes Trying to do a side hustle, getting their first show, failing their first show, doing a second show, all the while trying to like coach the best friend. Who's I wonder married. how that film would be different if they had the Esther Perel podcast. Ugh. hot. We are going to go listen to that after this. <laughs> Couples therapy should indicate the state of Jen and I's relationship. No, and we're we, good. We we're will good. see you guys on, hopefully next working. week or the work after. Um, but in the meantime, please be safe and watch movies. You can listen back to everything movies, movies, movies related at fbiradio.com slash programs, click on Mornings with Maya Billick, and everything will be there. Or you can grab it wherever you get your podcasts from. Jen, Andre, a pleasure as always. <laughs> so nice to be back. Bye. Thank you for everything. We're going to jump into some Moonchild Sinelli. This is Covivi on Mornings. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.